So last week, Rick did a really masterful job sharing some lessons from the life of David in his message, In the Making. And it was the first of two parts, but I was um, in between. So he's doing part two next Sunday. And I wanted to do a one-off message that sort of bridges and I think complements and uh, extends uh, between his first and second message. I really like the reminder that all of us are in the making. None of us have arrived at any stage of life, at any age, at any tenure of walking with God. There is always something more to learn. There's always a new way that God is calling us to grow. And attention to the present moment, the now, is critical for discipleship. What we do now, the choices that we make now and today, shape the kind of person that we're becoming. Eugene Peterson famously said, after years of talking and writing around the theme of discipleship, and someone asked him, give me the elevator pitch. Give me your basic summation of what discipleship is, to be a learner and follower of Jesus. Not just a Christian in title only, but someone who actively and actually is trying to pursue God in Jesus. And he said, discipleship is doing the next right thing. That's discipleship. That's the too long, didn't read version. Here's the summation. Doing the next right thing and doing it with and in God's love and power. Uh, I talked to a few of you who are really impacted by Rick's message. And if you haven't listened to it, you need to go back and listen to it because it was awesome. For me, the picture, the illustration that Rick used of that tree in his backyard that needs to be kind of trained to grow its branches out, that the tree naturally grows up and is kind of insular and it can kind of grow in on itself and block uh, the sunlight. And so what he had to do and what his dad counseled him to do was to actually uh, tie and bend gently the branches out to increase sun exposure, to not just train the branch in the direction of growth, which is out and away, but to do that so that you're getting more exposure to the sun. And, And it will actually yield better growth, healthier growth, greater fruitfulness. And I thought about that and I went back into my own life because I know there's a lot of people who want growth in their life as a Christian. But sometimes it's difficult to understand how to access it. A quote I am familiar with as a pastor, I've thought about it often, I've seen it play out in many people's lives, is that change is inevitable, but growth is not. No matter what happens to you in life, things are going to change within you, outside of you, to you, you're always in a process of adaptation. You could live completely passively, go through life without any intention, and your life will change. You will change, probably not in healthy or good ways, but you will change. Change is inevitable, but growth is not inevitable, right? Growing older doesn't necessarily mean Or getting older doesn't mean growing wiser or more mature or healthier. To actually grow, we need to increase our sun exposure. We need to increase our exposure as Christians to Christ and his power and his forgiveness and his grace. And that needs to be a continual process. And often we need to be kind of trained to do it. Because if you're like me, you get to a place where... Well, you're constantly fighting in different ways. The temptation to just 
collapse inward. Or maybe like, I'm okay with this branch growing. That's great. But the rest of this, I'm, I just kind of, I'm fine just closing it off. And sometimes that's intentional, where we are intentionally blocking exposure from the Son of God. Sometimes it just sneaks up, at it, up on us because we haven't been intentionally opening ourselves up to God, the natural trajectory will be to close up and close down. And we might still change, and there might even be growth in some areas, but we're not going to be very fruitful. We're not going to be very healthy. And I think our hearts are going to be burdened as we look back in a year or 10 years and say, I don't see the fruitfulness of my walk with God that I Honestly, I guess I was expecting, but I still feel like I'm more or less the same person, just older. And I've had reckonings like that in my life, and I bet you many people here have too, and I don't want that for us. I want us to be people who are growing in their walk with God. But that means thinking about what is fruitful, like what's actually helping me to open myself up so that I have more sun exposure more exposure to God's truth and grace and power. When people in the first century were debating and arguing and trying to figure out what's the hierarchy of God's priorities, there's lots of things God has called people to, but what's the, what's the thing at the top? Is it, is it keeping the Sabbath? Is it helping the poor? Is it being, doing this on a Tuesday? Is it prioritizing these rituals? Jesus says all of the instructions that God has given, they all need to be studied and understood, but you have to understand them within a larger uh, commandment, a larger framework. And he pulls Deuteronomy and Leviticus together, two verses from those Old Testament books, and he says the most important command is to love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbors yourself. Everything else hangs on those commandments. Those are like the, the tree that when you click it, then all the other commands come out of that and they make sense. Everything is grounded in those two priorities. And for me, using those categories, heart, soul, mind, and strength, as a framework for understanding discipleship has been really fruitful in my life because what it's kept me in is a pattern of every month or every few, few months doing an inventory and saying, in the area of heart, my relationships and community? Am I increasing my sun exposure? Or have I been kind of closing in on myself? In, in the area of my soul, of prayer and soulfulness, real authentic connection to God, what do I need to be doing to train myself to grow out and open myself up to God instead of just closing in? In the area of mind, growing in God's knowledge and truth and his promises, what am I doing to open myself up to God? And in the area of strength, am I investing my time and my talents and my treasures into God's kingdom, into God's purposes for the world? A disciple, someone who is a genuine Christian, I think is someone who, whether or not it's... Um, a really precise plan, but they are being intentional in those areas. And I have long advocated, and if you're a, a kind of a longtime person here, at least in my tenure, 
you will know that I consistently come back to this. Because growing in God is not, does not demand uh, an exceptional IQ. It's open to anybody. But you have to be intentional. And if Jesus said, you should be striving to love me with every dimension of your being, then you should have some kind of process whereby you evaluate your life consistently as a disciple and say, am I increasing my sun exposure through these things? Or am I ignoring certain dimensions? Or have I fallen into a rut? Or am I intentionally closing myself off from God? Maybe there's a secret sin that I'm harboring. Or I really feel compelled that maybe the Spirit is prompting me to move and pursue forgiveness for this person. But there's a part of me that's like, I don't want to forgive that person. I want to live in the resentment. So when we look at these areas, relationships and prayerfulness and soulfulness and God's word and serving and giving, how do we grow? How do we increase our sun exposure? Especially as we move in the darker days, right? I mean, we know of all people in North America the importance of soaking up sun exposure when you get a chance. Because pretty soon, days are going to get really, really gray. And how you navigate those gray days will be impacted by the decisions that you made now to drink in as much sun as you can. And it's like that with faith. We go through times where, in a sense, our relationship with God is going well, the sun is shining, and we're opening ourselves up to God, and we're learning how to do that, and we're drinking in God's grace and love and power and presence. And then there are hard times in our life where it seems like the the sun is hidden behind the cloud, and it's just gray day after gray day after gray day. So it's really important for us to learn how to open ourselves up to God and to be reminded through Rick's illustration that often we need outside help. He can't just go to his tree and say, hey, tree, it'd be more beneficial if you grew out horizontally. And the tree's like, that's a good point, Rick, thank you. The natural growth of the tree will be up and closed. So he has to coach it. He has to train it to grow. And that's what we have to do for ourselves. That's why community is so important. So let's talk about community for a second and the area of heart, relationships, and community. I think it goes, well, I hope it goes without being said, but I need to say it because I think for some people, this truth is, is, is really being missed in significant ways. We need each other. We need each other at the individual level. We need each other at the level of friendship and relationship and even just gathering together. We need this. We need these rhythms. We need to be in community. But not just community because community is what happens when people get together and you kind of mix and mingle and talk about stuff. That's a good thing. Um, but in general, it's a, um, I don't want to say superficial, but it's a thinner uh, expression of a deeper connection that we're made for. What we're also made for is fellowship. And that is intentionally connecting with other Christians who are on a journey of following Jesus. They might have questions, and they might be struggling in their faith, and they might be coming off an amazing spiritual high, but we're in relationship with them, and we're talking and learning with them and from them. We're in relationship with each other. And I've talked to Christians And it's been discouraging for me as a pastor by Christians who have taken this pandemic as a time to coast. 
And that can look different um, and different, you know, that can express itself in all kinds of unhealthy ways. But I find it difficult to know what to say when I hear someone say something like, oh, I'm really enjoying being able to not have to get up and go to church and just hang out at home and have church in my bed. It's amazing that we can live stream. It's amazing that when people are sick or if they're shut in or if they're injured, they aren't able to come or if they're being precautious because of different dynamics and of travel and relationships in their life. But when I hear people say that, my heart breaks because I feel like <laughs> I d- I feel like I've failed to communicate then what this is about. And this isn't just about people showing up and extracting information, and therefore, if I can just stay at home and extract the same information, sweet, even more efficient. This is about opening ourselves up to God in a way that you can't when you're at home, in your bed. This is about arresting the natural development that would say, I can curate my own spiritual life. I can decide who's involved in my life. I can decide which things um, come into my life and which things I commit to based on my uh, personal preferences and personality. This is about resisting that and opening ourselves up to God by opening ourselves up to each other. The conversations before, after church. Hey, do you want to grab a coffee this week? Hey, have we met before? I don't think we've met. What's your name? We need, I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but I need you in the church. We need each other to be in the church and engage in our small groups and engaging in community. And you need us. It's a two-way street. There's an idol of self-sufficiency and independence here in the Kootenays that needs to be confronted and broken because I really think it'll spiritually suffocate people who don't resist it. One of the biggest blessings over the pandemic for me has been able to gather with Pastor Rick and Pastor Jason every Tuesday to discuss life, what it means to be a pastor, to learn with and from each other, and to pray with and for each other. That's one of like the little discipleship small groups that I'm a part of. That would be like my three-to-one group. I don't know where I'd be without that group. I understand not everybody has those kinds of relationships, but we need to fight for them. And we need to be asking God for them. Friendships and connections that allow us to share the deep things of our heart, the messy things, the the exciting things, the questions, in the context of other Christians who are patiently listening and caring for us and want to pray with us. And I see how God has trained me as a pastor to open up because of that. Because in my interactions, I've received so much from Jason and Rick that it's now heightened my sensitivity to, I want to help other pastors. And now I'm reaching out to people who I might suspect might be pastoring alone and don't have the luxury of meeting with other pastors, even in their own denomination once a week. The church is not only built to facilitate community, but it's built to facilitate fellowship. And people are hungry for that now. People are zoomed out. They want in-person connection. Over the last few months, I've been challenging you with a discipleship uh, um, challenge uh, for the whole church. 
And we're going to go old school this month. And I would really, really impress upon you. I think it would be very good for every single person here to invite one friend to church this month. Invite one person to church. To say, hey, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but even if it's a very light, soft invite, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but just to let you know, um, if you ever wanted to come to church with me, let me know. I'm not going to be doing any finances on money or giving. I'm not gonna, we're done revelations. So we've gotten out of the super weird stuff. Rick's teaching next week on part two of In the Making. And then I think we're headed on starting a series through the book of First and Second Samuel. As we move towards Christmas, it's going to be easier and easier. The vast majority of people who show up to a church do so because someone in their life invited them. In the area of soul, of prayer and soulfulness, I've really tried to prioritize over the last few months praying for other people in person. I've reached out to some of you, and if it's like, hey, what can I pray for? And some of you have said, oh, pray for this. I've tried to follow that up with, I will, but do you want to meet at the church for 10 minutes, for 15 minutes? Last week, I threw out an invite to a few people in my life who were, uh, I don't know where they are spiritually. I'm might have some suspicions around certain things, but I just said, hey, just to let you know, I know people are carrying a lot of stuff. If you ever want to stop by the church, I'd love to pray for you, even for five or ten minutes. And two people are coming this week. Because they were like, wow, that's super nice. Thank you so much. I'd love to do that. I think I need to do that. We can do that for people in our life too. You, you can just reach out to other people in the church, other people that you work with, other people that you know, and say, hey, I don't want this to be weird, but you came to mind, and I just want to pray for you Uh, send over stuff that you'd like me to pray for. And then maybe as the trust builds, you say, hey, would you, could I stop by sometime? I've stopped into people's place of work. I've had them stop by here. I've done walk and talks. How are we cultivating praying ourselves and praying with other people? It's one of the ways God builds resiliency. It's one of the ways God opens us up beyond our own Um, naturally self-absorbed interests is to pray for other people, to pray with other people. It's been incredibly strengthening to have people pray for me in person. And if you're getting together in a 3-2-1 group or in any kind of way intentionally with another Christian, don't skip the prayer part. Don't do the big talk and the study and then like, oh, we're uh, we're running short on time. Like someone just close in prayer quick. Cut out the discussion and the study. Take more time to pray. More time to say, how can we pray for you this week? Take a few extra minutes to pray for your kids at night. Take a few moments to pray with and for your spouse. Open up the church directory. Take a few moments to pray for one or two names and families, whether you know them or not. I've been going through uh, 1 Samuel in my personal devotionals, and Samuel to the nation of Israel says in 1 Samuel 12, 23, as for me, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And that hit me like a truck a little bit because I had never thought of failing to pray for people as something that's sinful and rebellious. But God calls us to pray because things happen and things change when we pray that wouldn't happen if we didn't pray. So how do you need to open yourself up? 
to a more authentic walk with God through prayer. In the area of mind, um, this is just something, and I'm going to be throwing out things, and if you want help figuring out what this might look like in your life, reach out to me. But um, personally, I find one of the best ways to increase my own sun exposure is by engaging the Word of God. But I also totally get the sense of I'm overwhelmed by the Bible, it's weird, or I have strange associations with it, or I don't really know where to start. Like, do you start at the beginning and just go cover to cover? Um, Do you start with, like, Jesus? And if so, there's, like, four books on Jesus, so which one do I start with and does it matter? Can I just kind of flip it over and open it up and just read something and will I get something out of it? The Bible is a library of books. And it's so important to get into them because they lead us to a proper understanding of Jesus. And Jesus says this, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person who builds their house on a rock. And the rain came down and the flood came, but the house stayed because its foundation was on rock. And I talked to a lot of people, and sadly some of them are Christians, who realize they've spent a lot of time renovating their house during this pandemic but it's all been on a foundation of sand. And they've been looking for tips and tricks on how to overcome fear and beat the anxiety and overcome the depression and navigate some of the tumultuous waves that are happening in their personal life and in their marriages and in their families. But they actually don't know how to do that in and through God. And the Bible warns us to expect not that you won't be able to build a house. You will. But when the storms come, your house's foundation is going to be revealed. And whether you are new to faith, if you are a skeptic or a seeker, like there's, you know, if you're established in the faith and the storms are coming in your life and you feel like things are not holding together, this is a good time to hit the reset button. And say, i got to figure out how to build on Jesus. But again, how do you do that as it relates to the Bible? Here's what I have found super, super helpful. Through the Bible app. There's a lot of different apps that you can get that will allow you to read the Bible and listen to the Bible. Uh, through, the, uh, through the Word is kind of my default now. And I will be... Um, recommending it across the board, especially for new Christians or people who are like, I don't really know how to engage the Bible in a way that is meaningful for me. Because I totally get that. So can we go to the next slide, Gail? I just want to talk about the features of this app. App is completely free. It has a very simple interface. You can listen to the Bible or read it. And it has audio devotionals, which I love. So I go for walks and listen to the devotional and the chapter. It is one chapter of the Bible and then a devotional reflection slash teaching on the major themes of that chapter. So you could literally, if you wanted to, I wouldn't recommend it, spin the Bible. Oh, 2 Samuel 13. Okay, go to that chapter. The audio guides are about 7 to 11 minutes long, so it doesn't take up a lot of your time. There's an audio guide for every single chapter in the Bible. And the other thing that I think is the secret sauce and just makes this like chef's kiss is they have these things called epic journeys through the Bible. 
And what they've done is they've curated in sequence over 20 to 40 days a number of read this first and here's the theme in, in order to build out your understanding of how to engage the Bible and how to make sense of it. So their first one starts with the Gospel of Mark and then the Colossians. You go all the way through Mark and Colossians. Then you move to a curated overview of the, I think, 30 most important chapters of the Bible and how it makes sense of the whole biblical story. And if you go through all of those journeys, you will go through the entire Bible once, and the new, so the entire Old Testament once, and the New Testament twice. And I think their plan has you doing it somewhere between two and three years. It takes you that long. But the other reason why I like it, I really like this, is that it's not connected to a date. So if you're like, I'm going to read the Bible every day, and then five days go by and you're like super behind, it's not like little notification, you're behind five days. Read your Bible. Let's go. You're a terrible, terrible person. You should be prioritizing stuff. Bah, 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 bah. You're like, life happened, whatever, and you just go to the last chapter that you left off on. Sometimes I do three a day. Sometimes I'll go like three, one, zero, four, one, 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 three, two. I love it. I love the fact that it's not tied to dates and I just move through it as I'm able. But I really recommend Through the Word. It gives you a solid grounding and if you don't know where to start, start with the first epic journey and it will, you can go. And use that if in your three to one groups or small groups. Lastly, I'll make this quick, strength. We always have to be challenging ourselves as Christians to be serving and giving so that we grow. Because again, the natural tendency will be to, yes, invest our time and energy and talents, but to do that in our own agendas, for ourselves, for our family, or our inner circle. And part of the mission of the church is to call us beyond that. Covenanters were originally called mission friends because they went out in mission together as friends. It wasn't just about coming together and little um, connection point here and like, yeah, isn't God amazing? Awesome. And we learned some stuff and we shared hugs and shook hands and now we just leave. See you next Sunday or see you on Wednesday night, Bible study. They left realizing we got to go into this world and bring our gifts and talents to bear. Serve God Monday through Sunday. And as we invest our time and our talent and our treasures and the things of God and God's purposes into the world, that does open us up. It gives us new eyes to see the needs around us and the opportunities around us. Titus 3.8 says, when Paul is writing to Titus, he says, this is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things when you're teaching other people so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are profitable and excellent for everyone. We should be devoting ourselves to good things. And that doesn't just mean like good religious or Christian things like going to church or going to youth group, but it means every day saying, God, how can I be a blessing to other people? You've made me this way. You've given me this personality. You've given me these experiences, these gifts. Would you open my eyes so that I'm not just growing inward? I'm not just collapsing inward, but I'm actually opening myself up to you and to other people? We need to be doing that. I need to be, come, I need to be coming back to very basic questions, even in my own life as a Christian, pretty consistently to stay on track. I need these questions to act like the little strings pull me open. Questions like, am I prioritizing investing time in the life of my church? Am I prioritizing investing my talents 
for the bolstering of the church? Am I prioritizing investing my treasure for the strengthening of this church? We must train ourselves to invest in those beyond our inner circle. A disciple is someone who is learning how to love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. They understand they're in the making, and, that, and because of that, they're trying to continually say, how do I increase my sun exposure? How do I open up to God? And I understand that not everyone has ever heard Christianity explained like this before. For some people, they're, they're expecting kind of a religious moralism. Here are the rules. Do these things. Don't do that things, these things, and that's it. Or flaky spirituality that doesn't have any teeth. But Christianity is about growing and striving and pursuing God by opening yourself up to his influence. And that comes by making sure that we have habits in our lives that are preventing us from hardening inward and turning inward. A Christian is someone who has decided to live in Jesus instead of in something else, another tree of commitments or another person. They've given Jesus authority and leadership in their life, and they're saying, I don't kind of get all of it, God, but I want to understand what it means to live from your love and from your grace and from your power and from your goodness. I want to be like a tree planted by streams of living water who bears fruit in any season, whether the weather outside is perfect for fruitfulness or it's just a cold, hard winter. I want to be fruitful for you. And then Jesus begins to teach us how to do that. If you're a Christian this morning, is there an area where you have been closed off to Christ? Where either by decision or yielding to certain circumstances, you've turned inward, you have hardened, you have calcified, you've withdrawn, you've isolated yourself from Christ and his church. How do you need to open yourself up to Jesus this week, even today? How do you bring him the resentment, the hardness of heart, the selfishness, whatever you're currently building your life around, whatever feels safe to you, how do you let his light pierce that darkness and bring renovation to your heart and life? And for those of you who aren't in Christ, I want you to understand that as you build on anything else, you will naturally curve inward. And that will minimize over time your sun exposure, exposure to the Son of God. And that will lead to darkness. And Jesus said, man, how great is that darkness? There's only one kind of light that can overcome that kind of darkness, and that is the light of Jesus. And that's why it's so important to yield to him. If you've discovered that you're living life on a foundation of sand, this is the time to turn to Jesus. Even in a simple prayer like, Jesus, I messed up. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm running for you. Or maybe I do know why, and this is why, and I'm scared, and I... I've come to the end of myself. And life with me at the center or with this other person at the center or with this other priority at the center, it's not working. And I'm tired of pretending that it is and I need you. Will you come into my life and bring leadership and direction to me? We are all in the making and never more hopefully and fruitfully than when we cooperate with God and increase our sun exposure by the pursuit of God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
Let's pray. God, may we be a people open and opening up to you, not closed in around petty agendas, a narrow view and understanding of you or your word or your promises. Just break through it all, God. Just break through and bend our branches, bend us open so that your glory and who you are and the, and the hope and the promise that opens up to us, that really, really comes in. It really lands, God. And I ask this in the only one whose name makes it possible, Jesus.